This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. If America's talking about it, we're talking about it on USTalkNetwork.com. Our Common Ground at USTalkNetwork.com, and we certainly invite you to join us in this conversation. This is Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm your host tonight, and with us in our conversation about black pain, we are going to be talking with our sister and a mental health advocate and crusader who has been there, can you imagine how heavy the weight of all that trauma must have been in the hearts, minds, and souls of our ancestors, she asked. They had no outlet in which to express it and no proper means of processing it. Instead of airing our dirty laundry and getting help for our issues, we engage in behavior that is harmful to ourselves are others such as crime, violence, promiscuous sex, eating disorders, drug and alcohol abuse, workaholism, shopaholism, gambling in order to cope. And our guest, Terry Williams, is going to tell us how it is killing us. Uh, If you will recall that... On Monday, we were talking in conversation with M.C. Spice, who is another mental health advocate, and we were talking about this, the blackness, the darkness, the secrets, the lying, the trying to hold the mask on day by day is killing us. It is causing us to spend money that we don't have, as India Declare tells us, every day. It is causing our children and our adults to be promiscuous in their behavior around uh, their sexual lives. It is causing the violence on our street, the crime, workaholism, shopaholism, gambling. And when you call, we want you to consider a couple of questions. Are you sad, but you can't even remember who died, but you know somebody must have made you 
must have died to make you feel that bad. And um, we, we, we do want you to call. We invite you at 954-530-2068. And because we were running a little late, we're going to be with you uh, <clears throat> for the full two hours. Uh, Terry Williams may not be able to, to stay with us past 10 o'clock, but um, we need to talk about this. We need to stop the secrets, unleash our lives, because... Depression and the black pain is killing us. And the first thing that we have to do in community building is have strong soldiers where they're strong in the broken places. And we know that so many of the broken places we didn't make, but we have to get strong in those places. Terry Williams, you rainmaker. Thank you so much for joining me and my audience at Our Common Ground. Did you hear me call you a rainmaker? Yes, I did. <laughs> Listen, I want my audience to understand how much I love you. I love Back at this you, sister. dear sister. I love you, sister. And <laughs> love, I me want to light, to love me you, to life. Yes. Um, <laughs> you, I, I'm telling you, your books, and I have posted a link to staystrong.org, and blackpain.org, so that all of you out there can enjoy the wonderful body of literature for both adults and teens that Terry Williams has created. She is an author, but she is a gorilla businesswoman, and if you don't know about the Terry Williams Agency, you need to know, especially if you are in business yourself, because this woman knows the formula. Terry, let's start by talking about your own journey. Um, we know your success story. We know that you were at the pinnacle in in the in the uh, in the 1980s. You were probably one of the most. You were one of the at least top five successful business women, African American women in the country. Tell us about your journey from there to the writing of Black Pain. <clears throat> well, I um, after after years of neglecting um, myself, caring for everyone else, employees, clients, everybody else, um, and a series of, of major life transitions caused me to, <clears throat> excuse me, to have a full-blown breakdown. And you know what's kind of interesting? Um, I just got a, a note from a young, a young woman who works with a major magazine, and she said to me that none of us have time to deal with our um, own emotional health. She says, I watch, you know, she watches her friends take care of their children, jobs, and homes, but they don't have time to deal with their own pain. And um, and I will get to my journey, but I just want to say it was, it was the not addressing my own pain. And then um, my parents uh, sold the house that I grew up in. I didn't have time to really mourn that because I had to move out in an office that I had been in for eight years. And, and aunt passed away. And so there were all of a sudden 
what had been a foundation for me for many years was gone, and it's really what precipitated this full-fledged breakdown where I just I could virtually get out of the bed for about nine months. I would just wake up every morning with this crippling uh, anxiety, uh, just almost paralyzed by it, and I would lie in bed for hours uh, underneath the covers in tears, just didn't want to face the day. I would, I would hate to see sunlight you know, um, coming up. You would wish it would rain. Yes, yes. <clears throat> wow, thank you for that. It's even a chapter in the book. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but it was just horrific, and I, I, I had no joy. I was just a, uh, a robot. I, I ate excessively, anything to just try to numb the pain. I would come home from, you know, film premieres and this, that, and the other, and I would just eat. I would sleep excessively. I was irritable. I was snapping at people. I would cry um, just at the at the drop of a hat. <clears throat> um, it took quite a toll on my business uh, because I was not at the top of my game. Um, even though I would struggle to, you know, to get up, I just wasn't my my full and complete self. So it cost me some millions of dollars in in, in business. Um, but I did get up and go out and speak and go out for you know business meetings. And sometimes, you know, I would be signing really major names, but I was so empty inside that I just really didn't care. It was like I knew it was significant to be signing X, Y, and Z but I just really didn't care because I was dying inside. And some friends got me to a psychiatrist because, you know, what happens is when you're in the pain is so great, you don't even know how to articulate it. Um, it's very isolating. You lie. You know, you don't want people to know that you're, you know, hiding away, not answering the phone, so you lie. You know, my parents didn't know until a month before I shared my story in Essence Magazine. They didn't know I would call when I knew they weren't home and just say um, that I would either be traveling and I would be in touch, you know, soon or to not worry, I'm going through a little something would be how I would characterize it um, when it was just that I wasn't answering the phone and I didn't want them to worry. In my darkest hours, uh, I was not suicidal, but I really really didn't want to be here. It just hurt too much to just be on the planet. So some friends got me to a psychiatrist, and then I heard the words clinical depression. And I felt, even to this moment, as I'm sharing this with you and your listeners, I I remember feeling joy. I'm sorry, sometimes when I... um, speak about this it's it's hard for me but um i know that it, i know that it's important to speak about because there are too many of us um needlessly and silently suffering but when i heard the words clinical depression i was like oh okay that's what this is and it has a name and i know that it's treatable i still remember that moment okay i could deal with this <laughs> you know um, and I'm a social worker and, you know, supposed to know the signs. And But when you're in it right smack in the middle, you don't know nothing. <laughs> so I began, you know, a road back to healing and recovery. Um, it took a minute before I actually committed to going to therapy. 
uh, once a week and took two or three different medications to find one that worked for me. Um, but part of the reason also that I had difficulty getting up in the morning was I was eating all the wrong things and it made me so very sluggish. So I had to begin to just work on my eating and um, exercising and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the greatest victory, though, was and is Janice um, writing a book that is really helping to spark dialogue and, and helping to, to transform people's lives. I, I cannot bear for, you know, it's it's like I'm saying, like, not on, not on my watch while I have a voice to connect with people will I not speak about what's ailing us because we don't know. We haven't named our pain. It's literally everywhere we turn. The pain is screaming out at us, mm-hmm. but so many mm-hmm. of us haven't named it. And then there's, you know, the stigma and the, just the embarrassment of seeing a therapist. I mean, you know, it's we can do better. When we know better, you know, when we know what the signs are and we start mm-hmm. talking about it more, we'll be better as a community. Well, one of the things that um, strikes me as you tell your story is that, one, you're in a business where relationships is the business. You're in a business, you were you were trained as a, a clinical social worker, social worker at right. one of mm-hmm. the most renowned social work programs in the country. And you still had not named this. And in your book, you also talk about that now you recognize that even before you started your business, you were carrying some of this. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, And I think I want to know what the magic bullet was for you. I mean, friends don't come and kidnap you and take you to a psychiatrist and say, sit down. (laughs) How did those friends reach you in this kind of despair and hopelessness? Um, I think it's, you know, just really just love and care and attention and just, you know, knowing what my habits are, um, what my habits are and were, and just knowing that that's what needed, you know, needed to be done. Um, it was, you know, as simple as that. You know, there are times when people, they call them interventions, you know, when people are on drugs or uh, alcohol or whatever, and your friends come together and say, you know, mm-hmm. and you know what's so, you know, oh, oh my goodness. You know what I just thought about? Oh, my How God. How you responded to the intervention? No, no, I'm just thinking about years before that, two friends one was a client who became a friend and i forgot who the other person was but they they oh my god i can't believe this and they came to me to tell me that they were really really concerned about me because i was working 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 and Mm -hmm. i needed a break but it wasn't until just now when i said the word to you intervention because that's what that was yeah you know and the thing is we typically think about addictions as, you know, alcohol and, and, and drugs and, um, you know, sex and gambling. We think about those addictions, but work is an addiction as well. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what they came to tell me. You know, I have to write this down. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, I wrote it down for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that um, I I so much think about is that uh, people don't think that someone generally will requ- require intervention, nor do they get the courage to intervene with their friends and family members uh, when they know something is so wrong. It's all out of kilter, and it's not making any sense, and this person has lost control, whether they've lost control by being paralyzed or they lost control by being totally manic, mm-hmm. that they think the only time I think people are comfortable about intervening is when suicide is suspected. And I think that that makes depression, especially low-grade depression, so much more nefarious. Because you said something, you said you were never suicidal, but you were terribly depressed. Well, yeah, I didn't want to be here. I just did not want to be. And, And in fact, you know, is that, that kind of like a, when somebody says, I don't want to be here, and and it's such a strange statement that nobody wants to say, well, where do you want to be? Is that a death uh, word? <laughs> um, you know, I don't, that's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struck by, sorry about the, the fire trucks. Can you hear them in the background? That's okay. Oh, okay. I hope, they do, I, I hope that they get the their joys of living help. in New York City. Yes. You can't. Sometimes <laughs> you have to stop watching TV. So you, I mean, you have to just stop your conversation so you can, yes. you know. Anyway. Yes. Um, I just, you know, I find today, and thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm much more evolved. I'm still a work in progress. I have to manage um, my my disposition and and know that there are certain things that will cause me to spiral downwards. But I just find life really very hard. And um, it's just, I don't know. And I'm not not anywhere, I'm not suicidal or anything now. I just find life very hard. You know, my mother always said to me, your problem is that you know too much. And sometimes that can be a burden. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, when, uh, when, 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 when you have an insight and an awareness that is keen and it's um, what might be called uh, outstanding or remarkable, you know, some people are able to shut the world out and say, that's not about me. Um, I, I will tell you one of my depressive episode stories um, about <clears throat> six or seven years ago. Um, I was so m- crazy about what was happening in Rwanda, mm-hmm. along with another friend who worked with battered women, that we decided just pack our bags and go to Rwanda. Uh, we found an orphanage. Yeah, we found oh, it. We were sitting around. We were sitting around in the office one one afternoon, and I was saying what Bill Clinton is doing is awful. What this country is doing is awful. Millions of people have died. Millions more are going to die, and there is no intervention, and there is no help going fast enough to the people who need it because the government is blockading uh, the the help and aid that's going in. So we simply um, 
said, well, why don't we go? We we know about uh, intervention grief programs for women who have lost children, et cetera, et cetera. And I was doing consulting at the time. And so we just up and went, and we stayed for six weeks. And the wow. things that I saw, the things that I saw mm-hmm. riveted my soul. And when I got back, I was in such a deep depression that I couldn't even begin to start concentrating on my business, on my life. Wow. Um, and, you know, and I was telling myself I'm tired from what we did. And, and it was only one incident that struck me, and I was wondering if in your work and as you talk to people, uh, a woman, a, uh, um, a Hutu woman told me that after killing her entire family and raping her daughters, a soldier told her, I will leave you after three days of being held captive in her compound and being raped by a group of soldiers. Mm-hmm. I will leave you so that you will die from sadness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm. I couldn't get that out of my head. And uh, obviously uh, we were looking for people to intervene with us after we came back because sure. it was a, just a terrible, terrible wound that was inside of me. It was in my head. It was in my stomach. It was not to talk about being sick from the food and water. It was... Uh, and the fear, um, and 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 that was when I think the thing that that caused my depressive episode around that trip was that it became clear to me that you can die from sadness. People do; they get into vicious cycles of spending money that they don't have and committing suicide. Vicious cycles of what you what you just described as workaholism, and this is cycles of denial. Mm-hmm. And I think that that as a people, and 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 you've made such tremendous points about this whole thing about black pain, that we are a people who come out of struggle, and we haven't resolved that, and then yep. we put all this other stuff on top of it. And I and right. you know let's let's talk about the mass how people how in your experience in 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 your journey and from talking to hundreds of thousands of depressed people how people be, build coping mechanisms how they build cope, coping yes these masks they. They they put on a mask and they walk through their daily lives trying to make sure that people think they're okay. Yeah, laughing at the, the the funniest person that you know, the person that every time you see them, they've got a a a, a kind word or they've got a joke or the happiest person that you know is someone who could be just in the depths of despair when they go home. Uh, through our healing starts with us movement. We uh, do a series, and if anyone is interested in having us come to their city, we do a production called The Open Book and feature uh, 
well, our launch event um, in March of last year included the comedian Monique, Terry McMillan, Ruby D, John Amos, uh, Jamie Hector, and Felicia Pearson from The Wire, Susan Taylor. And what we, the, each person read a story of someone in the book. And when Monique was reading the story of Nina Hickson, who's a judge in Atlanta, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. the judge spoke about an underlying sadness that she always experienced. And Monique was reading that, and her voice cracked. And it took her a moment to compose herself, but um, and she finished it. But then during the part of the production, which we call the open book testimonials, where people just are so moved to have a safe haven to get up and speak, that Monique got up and said that she stopped in the middle of it because she thought about her own sadness. She would come home after keeping people in stitches, laughing, talking, smiling. And she would come home at night and just sit in the dark and cry. She thought depression was a white woman's disease. When 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 black women felt bad back in the day, they would, you know, you would take a couple of Tylenols and she said pop a, a cocktail and just lay down and go to sleep. And she said that because she was the first in her family to make any real money, she did not feel that she had a right to be sad. She thought that God would say, well, how could you? I've given you so much, and you're going mm. to be sad. But it has nothing at all to do with what you have. It's mm -hmm. the... It's the not taking care of yourself. It's the not talking about the secrets and lies that may have uh, or or abuse that may have happened to you in your life that nobody ever talks about. It's holding that stuff in that is is can be the death of us if we don't talk about our stuff. Mm -hmm. And is, so um, that's a and it's the, it's the brother or sister on the street who shoots and kills somebody because they look at them the wrong way, mm -hmm. you know? So it's years and years of us passing on from generation to generation that you don't talk about, um, well, you don't air your dirty laundry, and there are just certain things that are secrets. And I spoke at a church recently, and um, the, the the pastor spoke after I did, and, you know, he said, I've never said this publicly before, but, you know, when I was three years old, I was told that my mother died when, in fact, it would be years later that I would find out that she was alive. But in a mental instance, even though you might not know the truth, when there are lies and secrets that are kept in your household, in your spirit, even though you may not know the absolute truth, you know something is wrong. And so mm -hmm. it has a really profound impact on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... um what we know is that hurting people hurt people, mm -hmm. you know, so your parents, though they may love you, um, though they though they may love you because they're wounded souls who have not addressed their particular issues, um, it shapes us, and then we never have anywhere to go with it. We don't talk about how you felt when your mother or father called you out of your name or told you a lie and you saw something very different. We don't talk about that, and it's not not healthy for us to walk around with hurt, anger, disappointments, trauma inside of us. It's just not healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that's a tremendous 
uh, thing for us to think about, this whole notion of having the right to be sad. Um, mm. Yes. And we've got to take a break, Terry. Out there at ustalknetwork.com, we're going to take a break, too. I'm Janice Graham. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and we're having a conversation. We don't do interviews at Our Common Ground. We have conversations. Our number, and we invite you to call, 954-530-2068. I'm Janice Graham. This is Our Common Ground, and I'll be listening for you. USTalkNetwork.com. If America's talking about it, we're talking about it on USTalkNetwork.com. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Hotep, I respect you. Depression is a fact of life, but it doesn't have to be a curse. But the silence is deafening in our community. How much does suffering from and living with addiction, incarceration, dirty neighborhoods, HIV, hypertension, violence, racism, and class discrimination make us vulnerable to depression. And we're talking with our guest, Terry Williams, who is the author of Black Pain. It just looks like we're not hurting. Terry, thank you again for being with us. One of the questions I want to ask about getting help before we open up our phone lines, and we do invite you to join us at Our Common Ground and the number of is 954-530-2068. Terry, let, let's talk about getting help. There is uh, uh, two factors that I'm interested in hearing you talk about. One is uh, many people feel shameful about their sadness. Um, and as you said, that they feel that things are going well in their lives. Why in the world do they have a right to be sad? And the other is that um, there are some people that even when you bring to bring it to their attention that perhaps they need to look at their behavior as a symptom of something, um, they resent it and see it as being judgmental and see it as being a criticism of who they are. And I want to find out if you can talk about that um, so that people get clear about how they may help friends and family. And because the intervention, it does seem that it has been, uh, that intervention in many cases is very, very um, important. 
and also to 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 talk about the whole idea that African American women especially are generally undervalued by this society that despite all the selfless sacrifices they routinely make at home at work and in our communities and besides being overworked they're expected to behave like ever available accommodating sex machines or else risk being dismissed as undesirable and unfeminine so you know, I see I see depression and this black pain um, that you've so eloquently, eloquently and with such compassion brought to our attention as something that is a, an especial underscore for African American women. Um, apparently. Neither brothers nor sisters think of themselves as entitled even to feel their emotional pain, much less address it. And I think it's important for, especially I am sure that there are uh, people who are listening to this broadcast who feel sad, but they can't identify it. And they're faking their way through their lives. Um, they're putting on a mask, as you point out in your book. They're putting on the mask, and most of what available energy they have, they are um, spending that energy on the mask, on the secrets, on the lying, on the isolation, on the trying to make other people feel okay about how they are, how they look in their lives. So um, we're going to, I would like to, for you to cover some of those. Um, and, uh, and, and this whole notion that, um, and people are asking in our chat room about the notion of can depression, can depression be uh, transferred in a family. I mean, if you've got uh, a clinically depressed mother, for instance, are the children liable to also become depressed? So those are some questions that I think uh, our chatters are, are interested in have you uh, speaking on. And um, uh, and, and your book certainly encompasses all of this. And those, for those of you who are listening to this broadcast at ustalknetwork.com, which is supporter listen, um, and listener-supported, you can go to our homepage, and I have provided a link uh, to excerpts from this book, Black Pain. It just looks like you're not hurting. And... Um, you can certainly purchase it in any um, bookstore uh, that is available to you. Um, Lizzie, we are waiting. We've lost Terry on the phone, and we're waiting for her to call back. So um, she, can, she can hear me because I've got her on the telephone listening to uh, uh, our broadcast. And and I I, I, th I do think that many times in our adult lives when we come up against depression, 
there are are adult uh, issues that get intermixed with uh, traumas that occurred in our childhood. Johnny, can we get her back on the phone? I've I've sent you her number. Yes, it's on the. We're asking our audience to to be um, patient here as we get Terry Williams back on the phone. Uh, and we do have uh, a caller who has been waiting. And if you would like to call, because I'm sure she's going to be covering uh, some of those issues. Um, our number is 954-930-2068. And if you are listening and you would like to join in to our chat room, you can come to ustalknetwork.com. And uh, if you already have a U.S. Talk Network identity, you can come right on in. In our chat room, we have CJ and Dan Mack, Dr. Deborah. Thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, East Coast Sam, Kiki and Lizzie. Uh, Black Gator are in a uh, um, uh, discussion about this issue, um, and we thank them for being with us. Um, let's see, and we've got Alan in the house. N no, I sent it on the chat, uh, the audio compass. Okay, okay, I'm going to... Um, Yeah, go to break. I think we need to go to break and get this done. We're going to take a break and get her back on the line, and we'll be right back. to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I respect you and thank you for being with us and being patient. Terry Williams is back on the line with us, and Terry, while you were away, I was talking about all of the things that um, you have so eloquently covered in this book, Black Pain. It just looks like we're not hurting. We're going to go to our phones, uh, Terry, and talk with um, India. Hi, India. Hey there. Good evening. Good evening. India, Good I respect you. Sharing. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you both so very, very much. I uh, uh, attentively I was uh, I was and is listening to uh, every word, clinging <laughs> on uh, every word uh, of Ms. Williams. I, I wanted to tell you, I have your book right here in front of me, and it is um, 
Um, tremendous doesn't seem appropriate. That seems too vague. Um, um, uh, a deep reaching. I, I, I really just wanted to uh, uh, take the, take a minute and just thank you, uh, Ms. Williams, for uh, bringing clarity to uh, what for so many of us is um, somewhat cold and uh, humble and uh, obscure. And uh, to see and be able to relate to various experiences um, when you see it in print, when you see it uh, in black and white and you're holding the page with your highlighter and your ink pen and you can make notations in the margins and um, just a tremendous piece of work. I'm, I'm, I, um, uh, I'm not done with it. Uh, however, it is literally right by me. It, it is a sacred read. Uh, and I thank you so, so very, very much uh, for it. Uh, uh, just a tremendous uh, piece of work. Oh, thank you. I fills my heart and my spirit to hear you say that, and um, it makes the you know the suffering. Mm-hmm. It just it makes it worthwhile, you know. <clears throat> and for all of us, you know, when we go through the fire and come out on the other side, you know, we're stronger and we find out what it is that you know that we're supposed to do and. So I thank you for that, and you can call me Terry. I don't know how much long you'll be on the line, but you can please call me Terry. (laughs) (laughs) With with that, Uh, Doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, India, thank um, you for your comments. uh, When people do this kind of work, it is so important to honor the work that they do, to recognize and acknowledge uh, the impact that they have had, and this book truly is a gift to our community. Most certainly. You know how in the monetary world we, we, we hear the terminology uh, compound interest. You know, uh, we hear that terminology. And I am wondering through the generational um, uh, um, uh, cold uh, and obscure uh, uh, compounding that we have had to deal with and yet, and yet swirled in all of this experience uh, for um, uh, African Americans is a joy that we refuse uh, to let go, um, and 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 I'm wondering if uh, in some in 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 some way uh, is this necessary for us to reach uh, what our purpose is? Is 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 the agitation of what you went through? I've experienced uh, a tremendous amount of pain, not to the level that you articulate. Um, Terry, but is, is, um, was in any way was that necessary for this book to have been born? <laughs> I mean, is this is this is this a necessary process? This agitation to get the pearl, you know, you have to yeah. have the agitation. Is is is, is yes. this something that you know? Um, is there is there purpose in pain this deep? Yes. In in a, in a word, yes. I think that we don't really know who we are, India, um, until such time as we go through the fire and come out on the other side. If you think about it, so many people whose names we know, whose life stories we've seen on television, it's because of 
them going through the fire. I remember, I don't know why this comes to mind right now, but when the um, singer and guitarist Eric Clapton's son, his two-year-old two son, something like that, fell out yeah. of the hotel window and died. Yeah. And, you know, part of how he was grieving was to write about it, and he writes this song that becomes a Grammy Award-winning song. It's, it, is, it is only when we are tested um, and when we go through the fire that we come to, to find out who we are and what our purpose is. There's, there's no way I would have um, understood. I'm a far more compassionate person now because of what I went through. And just a really simple little thing. I remember once when my assistant wasn't here, and I was accustomed to having somebody do everything. And so one, there was, she wasn't there, and so I had to handle something. And I was thinking that I know that if she had said to me, that she was unable to get X, Y, and Z information, I would not have for a moment believed it unless I had experienced it myself, how difficult it was. And I thought about how sometimes I can be short-tempered, you know, but it's, but it's once I understood that, it made me be, I think, much more reasonable when I would ask for something to be done that it should be done and what's the problem, you know what I mean? Exactly. I just yes, think I we don't. That. I just don't think we know until we go through it ourselves. You're you're absolutely right. But one of the things, India, that I think that um, people discover. I know that in my depressive episodes, and whether it was uh, just sadness, grief, losing my mother or father, or just the clinical depression, is that you discover your resilience, mm. your real strengths. Mm -hmm. mm. That's true. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. say... And I would sometimes we go through life and we don't understand how resilient we are. We're going to go... Thank uh, you, India, for your call. We're going to take both. a call thank from Dr. Much. Deborah. Thank you both. Thank you, India. Stay strong, India. And keep reading that book. <laughs> I know that, Terry, I know that India started reading the book because she called me to thank me for recommending it, uh, and she's been on it for like two days. Really? Dr. Deborah, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, good evening, and I respect you, my sister. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I got my sisters Hi, with me, my brothers and Hello, my sisters Deborah. with me. How are you doing? I'm hanging tough. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm just got in a little bit late on the conversation, but you've made some ex excellent, excellent, excellent points. Uh, 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 particularly when you we're talking about uh, children who have been abused and grow up and sort of uh, take on these um, behaviors, whether it's substance abuse, gambling, uh, physical aggression, or whatever, really, that are just symptomatic problems. Uh, or symptoms, I should say, really, of a much deeper issue that needs to be resolved. And I think part of the problem is, I think we might have talked about this a little bit last night, uh, Janice, is that, you know, in our community, for some reason, we're really ashamed to even address this. If you say you're going to see a therapist, people are telling you, you, you ain't crazy. They for, those are for crazy people, you yeah. know, yada, 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 yada. And we or that's, to, or we that's the devil in you, and it can be prayed away. Oh, do you hear that all the time? 
and don't want to make you want to just oh please uh, puke you. Yes. Yes. I don't understand. Okay, so what you I mean? You know, don't really want to insult people because I go to church. I believe in God. The whole nine yards. But when I hear that, I almost want to say, "And how long exactly have you been praying over this?" (laughs) Now, you know, if we really serve a loving God, which I believe that we do, yes. Uh, there are times when we have to learn to, like, you know, what happened to uh, faith without actions or it, it is dead. That's faith right. Faith without works. Faith so without works, So you can't yeah. just sit on your behind. That's right. And you know and wait for some miracle to... That's right. I and I believe, I know it was my God who led me to the right psychiatrist and puts the right people in our lives to um, encourage us, to help us do the things we need to do. Absolutely. And the truth is, you know, I, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. I think if we put all of this in perspective, if we look at, as you've raised, Dr. Deborah, our purpose, our purpose in the lives of the people we love, our purpose in the lives of our work in the community, and we don't intervene, we don't use what we know to intervene, that we are essentially failing the people that we love. Yes, they absolutely. Are. And you know, and you I know, think so. Go ahead, Terry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think sometimes we use prayer as an excuse to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Even in helping other people, sister, I'll pray for you. Huh? <laughs> I could do that myself. <laughs> I need something tangible. <laughs> you yes, know? you are so right. And I, and I really, really think that we do the the young people in our lives we do them an injustice by not sharing um showing them who we really are with all mm-hmm. our vulnerability um mm-hmm. and i think that we um we set them up to have lives that are as difficult as ours when we essentially lie to them you know what if we say that we're fine and they see otherwise because they pick up everything i think we're just setting them up to lie to learn how to lie mm-hmm. and to wear the mask when instead right. we should say i am feeling down at this moment blah 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 and these are some of the tools that i use to pick myself up how else are they going to know what to do exactly if right. we don't t- share with our share ourselves mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. true and that's when we shroud ourselves true. in these masks mm-hmm. our children know that's right they can they can smell a phony a mile off. Yes, they exactly, can. Exactly, because we fake our way through life. Mhm. And and then we we really become unable to differentiate our real self from our fake self. That's exactly. You're, you're and so that's right. when you start getting into these psychosis, really, and all of these mood disorders and a lot of different things is because we really at some point have become lost and don't know who we are, don't know what we really don't know what we want. We really don't. Yes, we, yes. We've lost our way, and we've got to come back to it. We've got to be able to come forward and say, I'm hurting. This is what mm-hmm. has happened to me without feeling ashamed. We've got to be a community that embraces that. Yes, we've we got do. to be a community of people who don't make fun of. When right. you know when you go home, you got the same crap going on at home, but you're going to stand in judgment of somebody else. That's We've right. got to stop it. My husband only beat me five times a week. Yours beat you eight. Okay, a beating is a beating. Once, five, ten times or whatever. We have to get away from that standard of mine ain't as bad as yours. 
You know, I've heard people say, oh, I thought I had problems. You do. <laughs> you do. Because I got some, and you think in your mind it's worse. You you, you do have problems. And yep. mine, mine being worse in your mind is not alleviating yours at all. Yeah, we have yeah. to stop that. Dr. D, thank you so much for your call. Love you yeah. made some cogent points, and I love you badly back. Um, <laughs> Carrie, love you too. Love you too, Deborah Martin. You're listening to Our Common Ground at 954-530-2068. And my, our guest tonight is Terry Williams. Terry, let's talk about um, how people come to grips. I mean, one day something happens and you've got to look the person in the mirror and say, I am sad. I am grieving something that I cannot identify, and I have to do something about it. The other thing I'd like to hear you talk about more, uh, because your book is just a wealth of affirmation and encouragement and influence and persuasion, I'd like to hear you talk about more about how you have discovered through talking with so many of us who walk through, I, you know you know what I used to call it, walking through syrup. Ooh. <laughs> it, it feels like walking oh. through syrup, that somehow your brain is going fast and you have those things, you have goals and things you want to achieve in your head, mm-hmm. but moving through the syrup slows you down it makes you feel helpless and frustrated and then you get angry and then you just throw your hands up how do you it's so important for us to understand how we get to the process of saying yes it has a name and and i've been saying all over the internet today and with people that i've been talking with since i read your book uh and i had to wait uh, for Amazon to send it to me, I was on the wait list. <laughs> and my partner and I read this book together, and we talked and we wept together because it helps you identify, to see. You know, it like makes you a prophet in your own life. So how do we begin this process of saying, I'm going to stop the crap, I'm going to I'm going to put a line in the sand because today I am going to begin the process of fixing me because I want to see the sunshine. Yeah, well, you know what? This is going to, it, it, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. It is as, it is as simple and as complicated it is as simple and as complicated as drawing the line in the sand and doing what you just said, that I'm going to make me a priority. And the reason, and it's, it's the hardest part for so many of us is to take that first step. But that's what it is. And mm-hmm. the reason I can, I can speak to it is because it's what I'm doing right now or learning what I need to do right now. It's like I get up in the morning and I make certain that I take my quiet time 
because if I don't, I'm just not centered. Um, Mm -hmm. I did, maybe six months ago, I did a a three-day fast before beginning to change my eating habits, and it's what, it's, it's, it's making that conscious effort that you want to be good to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it made it easier for me because I was tired of just not not being comfortable or at ease with myself. And so it's like there's got to be a better way means mm-hmm. that I literally have to to just honor me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that we have to go through... Um, We have to go through a lot to get ourselves to be good to ourselves. Yes, we have to go through a lot to get ourselves at that place. Our guest tonight, Terry Williams, the renowned businesswoman and author. This is our Common Ground, and I invite you to call us at 954-530-2068, and we're moving into our last page with Terry Williams tonight when we come back from this break. I respect you. Hotel Amandla. America listens to USTalkNetwork.com. If America's talking about it, we're talking about it on USTalkNetwork.com. Our guest tonight at our common down is Terry Williams. She is the renowned businesswoman, owner, and president of Terry Williams Agency, and the author of one book that we're talking about tonight, Black Pain. It just looks like we're not hurting. And she has provided to us a convincing call for African Americans to trade in a harmful cultural stoicism for some overdue mental health treatment. Uh, Terry, one of the things that I love about this book, too, is that you talk about uh, the, the, so many aspects of um, uh, clinical depression, but you also talk about how it affects family, how it affects the people who surround the person, people at work, people in the family, children, um, and you specifically deal with the issues that are central to both uh, black men who have a host of their own pressures, pigeonholed as dangerous, aggressive, and angry, and how they have to compensate for uh, all the stereotypes by cultivating a cool, above-it-all demeanor instead of just developing a language to talk about yes, painful yes, emotions. Yes, yes. And one of the things we found on the show this week, it's been very interesting. Last night we did our special segment that we do every Wednesday night on um, Ms. Seeley's front porch, and we were talking about intimacy. And it was very difficult to get men uh, to talk about intimacy. They called in.
in about their problems at church and uh, betrayal by ministers in the church institutions across the country, but they never did talk about intimacy. And um, and and I think that I think that when we give them a description of their journey, their daily journey, you know, if you heard Michelle Obama early in the campaign talking about, and she was highly criticized for it, talking about how she was scared for her husband, you know, to go out of the house and what might happen to him because he was a black male. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I, I Yeah, so I just uh, think that this is not, it. it is not just um, about um, any general kinds of environmental pressures that go on for both black women and black men. It's very specific. Uh, I know that in my, in, in my career in the corporate world for over 25 years, I always felt like I couldn't make a mistake. Do you know how that feels for 25 years? That if I mess up and the my colleagues who were all white men if they messed up, they just fix it. Yeah. Uh, if I messed up, I had to put in a Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, Tuesday night to fix it before the Wednesday morning meeting. That's that's right. That's right. So, and how, know, do, how can can ahead. you can you share a little bit just about the, that more about the toll? I know I know this is your show, and you ask the questions. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I, I invite what, your questions. <laughs> no, just what can you describe? A little more what that was like well uh, my life has been filled with some very specific stressors uh, because of uh, my early career my early childhood uh, one of the things is my first experience in terms of racial discrimination uh, when I was in the ninth grade I was chosen as the only black child in my community to attend the all-white high school to integrate it. So I spent three years as the only black student in a school with about Mm -hmm. 1,500 students Mm. at a time when integration was resisted highly. Uh, And then when I moved on to predominantly white universities, uh, when when I was in uh, business school at the Sloan School, I was the only woman and the only black person. Um, And then when I uh, went into my corporate career, I was always the only woman and I was always the only black. Um, And I think that one of the things is that that really was a, a, a barrier for me that I came from a family and a community that said, yes, you can, yes, you must. You must be the model. You must be the pioneer to make these things happen. So I, I went into, these envi- and into that environment with that kind of spirit. So I was expected to do well, and I knew that everybody was looking because I had some very key jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had jobs 
that, and this was before there was affirmative action, so we're talking some some while back. Um, I had a job where I was responsible for 35,000 employees across the country. My God. And I reported to a senior vice president, and I had regional vice presidents that reported to the senior vice president, and none of those regional vice presidents wanted me to get my job done. Um, it was Ooh. about for I'll give you a good example of how this thing rolls out. Um, even the point of having to decide to talk about uh, my performance or having people who worked for you who decided, I don't like you because you're demanding and challenging me to get my job done. They could always use who I was as a weapon, and no one would speak up about that. So those stressors uh, that can cause you uh, a great deal of pain in your life. Mm -hmm. And um, doing one part of that, I was also going through a divorce. And... I never talked to my parents, um, and a lot of my friends were were um, didn't understand the environment I had to work in and operate in, and couldn't understand why I spent Mother's Day one Mother's Day with my five-year-old sitting in my office, and we made uh, a picnic on the office floor to have Mother's Day dinner because I had a meeting I had to. Um, get ready for and it was very important and I couldn't make any mistakes. Nothing could be left out. Nothing could could falter. And see those are the things that when I look at the young young uh African Americans in 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 corporations today who are achieving, who are competent. I understand exactly when they do falter, they falter big. Yes. Oh, yep. It it comes at us every every which way, and um, it's it it just is why we must share ourselves with once with one another, so that people don't feel so isolated and can find the words, the language, the courage to say this is me too, and and yeah. the reason the reason that I. You know, I can get up in front of people and and revisit what I went through is because I know that I'm looking at them and they are me and they're looking at me and I am them. And I can't be who I'm supposed to be until you become who you're supposed to be. And yeah. it just means that we have to share ourselves, our stories with one another, um, just like if, you, if there was something wrong with any other part of your body, you would go get, you know, attention, hopefully. Although we do know that so many of us, because of just health care disparities, sometimes the only times we will go see a doctor is, is when at the emergency room, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we're not going for, you know, preventive care and, you know, and so many of the things that do ail us, as you've spoken about, have to do with just not addressing our mental and emotional issues. Exactly. You know, one of the things that um, we have to be real careful about, and as a result of my own experience and 
and having to to step out of that environment, otherwise I was going to die. Mm -hmm. My spirit was going to die. My soul was going to die. I was either going to make big money and have a big job with a big title and a big office at the price. At the price, yep. At the price. Yes. And I was so glad that I had been baptized in the AME church and had good, solid black people who said to me, is it worth it? Mm. Mm. And, I, you know, and, and those are the things that we can fall back in all of this. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I do think that it tends, this whole clinical depression thing where people who are women and men in our community who are so competent, it causes them to question themselves, Mm -hmm. to question how they're connected to their community, how they're connected to their jobs. I mean, I know some people who were very reluctant, even though they supported Barack Obama for Mm -hmm. the presidency, very reluctant to talk about it at their jobs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the thing is, when you try to be all things to all people, you completely lose yourself. Yes. And I just, and there are, (laughs) you just have to be true to yourself. I mean, one of the things that I, and, and he's not the only one, but um, j- just Johnny Cochran was a friend and client, and I just used to, he was the same with everyone that he met. And I think part of Obama's spirit and, and um, his effectiveness is he is as you see him. Uh-huh. What you see mm-hmm. is what you get, what and you get. and he can say, you know, if if a white if a white waiter asked him, did he need change? He would he he would say to him, no, I'm straight, just like he did yeah. at Ben's yeah. Chili in in uh-huh. uh, Washington D.C. You know, yeah, yeah. But when you yeah. and I and I know myself, there would be times when I thought I had to be different with different groups, and I just know this is this is who I am. And um, I've got to be true to that because mm-hmm, you will die mm-hmm. trying to be all things to all. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's this whole idea that we contort ourselves to keep everybody happy. Exactly. And as a result, we're miserable ourselves and That's digging right. the digging uh, the deep the black hole even deeper. Mm-hmm. And um, I just uh, think that your book. Your courage to stand tall, my sister, and now I have the tears, your courage to stand tall and tell your story so that we can understand that which we thought we knew but we did not know. I mean, you really gave it a name. (laughs) And I'm hoping that everyone out in our audience uh, will buy this book or go to the library and pick up this book and yes. other books by Terry Williams because we need clarity yes, we in do. our lives to be soldiers in our community. Yes, we, we really do. And um, I do, I do, I hope and pray um, that, that people do read this book. You'll, you know, it's, you'll see yourself, you'll see uh, everyone that you know, 
and it's kind of like discounted therapy, you know. If you got to feel like you got to take the cover off the book because you don't know, don't want nobody to know you're reading it. <laughs> do whatever you got to yeah. do. But oh no! <laughs> Wait a minute. I I love being on the tra- I loved being on the train with this book, and oh, I would funny. hold both. You know, usually you hold a book in your lap. Right. I was holding it in front of my face. <laughs> you are so silly. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, and and I was taking it into meetings with me, and Is putting right? it in front of me. Oh, you are because funny. it's so important. You know, and the thing is, it's really that's what funny because you know really what I do sometimes what? When, I'm, when I'm sitting on a plane, and if the ch- if the chair. If the seat next to me is not taken, I just leave it on the seat so that when people are walking by, they should take a look at the cover. <laughs> I, I recently had a neighbor who had a depressive episode, mm-hmm. and his wife is a psychiatrist, and, and, and he's white, and, I, and he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I went over and I took uh, uh, uh uh, my um, love of my life's copy of the book <laughs> to him and said, you know, you should read this. This would help. <laughs> and his wife thought that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and when he when they finally did get him into the hospital, he took the ho- he took the book to the hospital with him. So, wow. it you have done something to change the world, Terry Williams, and I hope that the world will recognize, and it's not about whether or not you get an award, the NAACP Image Award or any kind of (laughs) award. It's about this is is yet another tool that black people can use to liberate themselves, Mm -hmm. to liberate us from... That's 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 all that I really want to see, you know, just healing starts with us one person at a time. And exactly. you know, sometimes, you know, it and it does take courage um to face the pain. Sometimes you just don't feel like going there. That's why we numb ourselves, but it's mm-hmm. the only way you'll get to next. This ultimately this is a book about growth. When we know yes. better, we do better. Mm-hmm. And there are too many of us great, you know, with greatness inside of us that has yet to come out because we haven't faced our stuff yet. But the yeah. healing starts Facing with us. Facing our stuff. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. You're you're uh, you're you're absolutely right and one of the things that I'm hoping and those of you who are in the audience Terry Williams will be in Boston at the um Man Up Movement uh Black Mental Health Forum on April 26th. Yeah. at the uh, Reggie Lewis Forum, yeah. and I have posted a wonderful uh, uh, video of her talking on my blog at U.S. Talk Network and all of the information that you need to either purchase the book to know more about her uh, and to and some ex- excerpts from another interview that you did with Depression.org. Uh, oh. which I found well, you fascinating. You really did your research, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, I've been studying you all I've been studying you for for 3 days. I know well, all I really, your websites and every website you've ever be, ever been on. Um so well, I, I, I really, really can't have. wait 
wait to meet you when I come to Boston. I, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, being a part of that with uh, MC Spice and, and the Man Up movement, you know, just, yes. just uh, enlighten our folks, you know. And that's, I do want to also just to encourage do. your listeners to please go to, to our Healing Starts With Us dot net website. Okay, and just that's pledge. our Healing Starts it, it, With it, Us. He, healing Starts With Us dot net, www.healingstartswithus.net. And just to make a pledge to commit to breaking the silence and the stigma of depression. Yes. So. Well, I'm 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 certainly. I think that is a wonderful opportunity. You know, I got a couple of email uh, messages from people who uh, had gotten notices about the show, and um, and one of the women on on my blog about this show said on the blog, and it really moved me, so it does have a name. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah. it does have a name. And, you know, so, T- Tupac's sister in the book talks about, um, actually, I'm not sure. What's her name, I'm, Tiki? Tia. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. I'm totally drawing too. a blank. But she just, and, and maybe I didn't put this in the book, but she was just saying that when she was speaking with a, a white uh, friend of hers who who was describing the symptoms, it helped her to understand. So that's what it is. So that's yes. that's why there's power in us sharing our yes. stories with each yes. other. Yes. The tiniest element of your story could profoundly change somebody else's life. Mhm, mhm. You know, uh, one of the things too in um, in my study of uh, African religious and spiritual uh, rights. Naming something is as important as knowing it. Yes, indeed, indeed. So Which right. is why they name everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at some of our some of our um, uh, the people who have contributed and achieved in our in our community, and one of the things that uh, Thurgood Marshall, uh, before he died and and left the court. In one of his last interviews, I I sat there and I listened intently and I wondered, why is this man who has brought us so much and achieved so much, he's so sad. And, um, And, of course, he probably didn't recognize how sad it all was. He was powerful, but he was sad. So uh, I'm hoping that we will listen deeper, love deeper, love enough to hold someone's hand who needs us to name it for them. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And Terry Williams, I am so, so very pleased to have had this conversation with you. Um, I I never end conversations with people. I have I have people that I've talked to years ago, and they call me and say, "Hey, we haven't talked for five years," and I'll say, "Yeah." And so you were telling me, <laughs> and I think that's what we have to be to each other. Yes. we have to somehow be the purveyors of healthy relationships. We were talking about that on Miss Seely's front porch yesterday, and I continue to say that, that we have to be the love that we need. That's right. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And my sister, I love you so much. 
I love you. Back. I wish you well. I can't <laughs> wait till April 26th. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm I am. I'm definitely looking forward. Definitely looking forward to it. And I got to tell you, um, I am so high. This weekend we're doing the 16th, the celebration of my granddaughter's 16th birthday. And all my family is coming. I don't know about all that, but uh, <laughs> and we're having a big celebration, a, a rites of passage ceremony, and um, I can't oh, be wonderful. so proud and so honored to be uh, her grandmother. And I'm just real high about it. Oh, so my sister, is... you go in health and in peace, and on behalf of every. African-American in this nation and across the world who has found a way because of your work, the Stay Strong Foundation, blackpain.org, and what was that, Heal the... um, That's the most important one, the healingstartswithus.net. Healingstartswithus.net, which... As soon as I get off the air, I'm going to sign up. You could lead me anywhere because you know the truth. And you have had the courage and the hope and the resilience to step to it. Thank you, Terry Williams, so very much. Um, and, and we and certainly are going to be asking you to come back to our common ground at ustalknetwork.com. I'll, I'll be back. I oh, I know you, you will. Stay strong. Much I love know your you. number. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> you okay. have you have filled my the spaces uh, in my vessel, and you have become mm. part of the village in my heart. Mm. Love you, my love sister. You. Thank you for being with us, and my audience certainly uh, has benefited and have the the harvest for growth as a result of hearing you talk to us tonight. Thank you. And you have a good night. You too. And we're going to take a break at Our Common Ground. We're going to come back if you have any questions or if you would like to make some comments. You are invited to do so at 954-530-530. 2068. We want to remind those of you who are listening that USTalksNetwork.com offers a complement of interchange and communication. Our blogging, our discussion forums, and chat. And you can come and become a member. And for those of you who enjoy this broadcast and other broadcasts at US Talk Net, Net, US Network. <laughs> USTalkNetwork.com Dag, Janice uh, USTalkNetwork.com It is listeners and participants supported. You can go to our homepage and we have a PayPal client where you can become a supporter or contribute to support all of these broadcasts with front page at 8 a.m. The Andre Eggleston Experience at 9, India Declare at 11. America listens to USTalkNetwork.com. If America's talking about it, we're talking about it on USTalkNetwork.com. 
15 minutes. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you for staying with us over the break, and we're moving into the to the final page of Our Common Ground on this Thursday evening. And we are so happy to have Adi Tu and Kiki and Black Gator, Triple Steins, All Honey, and Alan and Alicia Gregory, Caramel444, Lizzie, Cardell, Chad, Chai Stepper is in the chat room. These are all people who are in our chat room. East Coast Sam, uh, G-Dub, ooh, I hope it's not, well, maybe it should be the, the G-Dub that I know, Gold, Jeff, Jeff Martin, Kay Grant has stayed with us, Maze, how are you out there, uh, Mr. Mann, Mr. Gooden, Olden Stildum, Olden Stildum, uh, Oran, Arande, are you there? Patrick Fields, Roosevelt Miles, TT. So if you are looking for your relatives, they might be in the talk room. And U.S. Talker is with us. Um, we we think that you know that that's a, just a, a profound thing for someone. Um, Kiki was talking about earlier that the fear of being judged. Um, the fear of being embarrassed is is something that another person in the chat room made uh, a comment about. But, you know, one of the things that black people are good at, they're good at cowboying up. We are very good at that. Um, we have had to get through a lot of stuff. And we can cowboy up Aresia when we get ready. So we're going to take your calls if you have any comments. And my, and my question into the chat room is, do you know someone who suffers through this malady? You know, uh, when, when, when Terry talks about her collapse, her, her, episode, her first depressive episode. Can you imagine having a million-dollar business and everybody's depending on you and you can't even move? We're going to go to our phones with Black Gator. Black Gator, thank you for joining us. I respect you. Hotep, what's up? What are your comments? I couldn't get uh, let you off the hook tonight without calling in. I got a question. I enjoyed the show. Thank uh, you. I'm trying to figure out why we're still talking about Chris Brown and Rihanna. I mean... I'm not talking about Chris Brown and Rihanna. I, I, not you, but I mean, uh, uh, I'm going through the chat, and and I'm even guilty of this. Well, why are you calling people. me and asking me? I can't because, control the because chat. Because it's your show, and I have to take it out on somebody. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> then I'm open to that. Okay, I'm well, open to that. Well, let, let, let me say this. Uh, I mean... Uh, I, I brought up in the discussion uh, a few minutes ago. I mean, they uh, said that Mike Tyson hit Robin Givens. I mean, that outrage lasted for what a week. Warren Moon hit his old lady supposedly. We talked about that for a week when it happened. Uh, why are we still on this? What what makes this specific uh, incident so unique and special? I mean. Uh, the boy's wrong. I consider him a punk, Chris Brown, but, I mean, uh, is it the pictures? 
uh, the picture of Rihanna that has everybody still talking about this. I mean, abuse is abuse. Uh, you know, we saw pictures of uh, where O.J. beat his old lady. Uh, I mean, his wife, or you know, his ex-wife. But well, well there's well, also a rumor she, he killed her. Yeah, he, <laughs> you he, know, he, so he, he he did the ultimate thing there, uh, 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 and that you know goes. I mean, some people still don't believe that he did it. But anyway, uh, uh, why why are we still dwelling on this particular case? Uh, well, let me let me just say this to you, Gator. Um, Black Gator, Mr. Black Gator. Um, I'm I'm not don't, sure. Don't get with, the... with me. <laughs> don't, you, don't you get proper with me. You know I love you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know the um, I'm, I I think that people are just simply fascinated by the lives of celebrities. Yeah, but those now, are, I just I just named some celebrities. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Mike, Mike Tyson was in a bigger light than this boy Chris Brown. I mean, well, I'm know. not so sure because people are still. T- I mean, uh, the Givens Givens woman. I can't recall her name. Um, she was um, on a couple of talk shows in the last couple of weeks. So people are still talking about that. They're still wondering because I think the thing is that this whole notion of intimate partner and and domestic violence hits close to people. So when this happens, rather than dealing with their own stuff, as Terry Williams has told us, they can deal with their stuff because everybody knows it. See, if you if, 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 if you are a victim or have been a victim or you're in a relationship that's abusive both emotionally and physically, it's much easier for you to talk about Rihanna and Chris Brown than it is for you to talk about your stuff. That's true. People tend to suppress the feelings. Uh, l- l- let me... Let me asked a question here on the line that I asked in the chat room when this is, when this topic first came up earlier tonight. And I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to interrupt your guest. I, I really enjoyed the show. Well, I'm uh, glad we were, you did, uh, yeah, Gator. We we were uh, you know, talking about all kind of you know how we do in the chat room. We we get all off topic, but I'm listening all the time. And my question and I even asked Dr. Deborah and she gave me a response. Kiki gave a response. Some other people gave responses. Is depression contagious? And I couldn't express myself in the chat room because you know how we the text keeps uh, getting cut off. But let's say, for example, a, an abusive husband or a depressed husband, not a, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. specifically physically abusive, but let's say a, uh, a guy that comes home, he brings his job home with him, and in anger he lashes out verbally at his wife. Okay. Uh, as a result of that, or becomes, or if he's depressed, he may not talk at all. That's true. And uh-huh. and and and, and uh, uh, whichever method, uh, mm-hmm. as a result, she becomes depressed. Is mm-hmm. that contagion? That's 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 what I uh, I'm asking. I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, Is that I, contagion? From, from 
from some of the materials that I have read, and I think Dr. Deborah is is certainly more equipped to answer that question than I am, but I'm a voracious reader. I try not to talk about anything that I don't know about, and uh, I have talked to uh, some of the some of the people, and I've read um, a couple of books on depression. Uh, I've talked to my own therapist about it, um, and and one of the things that we know that is over a long period of time, if you live in a house and you have some um, virus of some kind, which is physical, it can be transmitted to other members in the house. Sadness, grief, depression can be passed on to everybody around you because nobody, because you make the environment lethargic and heavy. And when a wife, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me finish here. For instance, you, you gave the, uh, the, the, the um, example of the husband. When a man suffers from clinical depression, he loses his libido. He generally has um, erectile dysfunction. And clinical depression comes with anger. It comes with, you know, the, um, the, the, the side effects, crying, isolation, so essentially, a woman very well may lose her whole marriage. Is that contagion? I mean, and it, and I think wouldn't you get sad if you lost your wife? Well, yes, I would. Listen, uh, the other analogy. So what you're telling me is that uh, this passed on safe an abusive husband. Uh, no, I take that back. An an abusive parent. Uh, can it can can uh, 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 transfer that abuse well, that's to a different child? From, that's different. That's different from clinical depression. Now, I know, an abusive I know. I, parent. I, I, I paint with mm-hmm. a broad brush. <laughs> but no, we can't is, paint it with a broad brush. It's I, very what, different. You're talking. I know they're different. I know they're mm-hmm. different. But what I'm asking in this particular case, okay, you answered my question about the spouse, spousal. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm moving on to the parent transferring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I perceive as depression to a mm-hmm. child now. Uh, well, keep in mind that there are some forms of clinical depression that are, have a physiological um, um, complement to it. And most of, and Dr. Deborah will have to answer this in the chat room or give us a call, and most of the literature tends to say that physiologically caused, something that goes on in the brain that causes clinical depression, that can cause clinical depression, can be passed on from generation to generation. Okay. So that's one kind of clinical depression. Let's say Clinical that it- depression that situational depression. And this is why it's so important for people to get treatment because there are psychotropic drugs all over the world that can cure most people's depression from what I have read. 
cure or suppress? Remove it. Change the whole circuitry in the brain so that the the physiological part of the depression is not, um, goes away. It gets fixed. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's why some people need the drugs and some people need the drugs and, and, and the talking treatment and some people need... Um, just the talking treatment because there's so many aspects to the disease. I mean, for instance, some people suffer long-term depression from losing a spouse in divorce or losing a spouse by death or losing a parent or a child. That's situational depression. But there are some people who are born with a tendency toward depression because of the way their brain is made up. There's something that the brain doesn't, and Dr. Deborah will have to, we'll have to talk some more about this next Wednesday on Miss Seeley's front porch, because there's something that the brain doesn't deliver, so the body doesn't deliver some kind of hormone or something that goes on in the brain. And that's a depression that's caused physiologically and by um and, and there's some literature that I have read that says that some of it is genetic. But it can be fixed in many cases with the combination of drugs and a combination of drugs and counseling. So, it's, so is it or is it not, in your opinion, and I'm not asking you to give me a fact, is it or mm-hmm. is it not, uh, or do, would you say, depending on, a specific scenario contagious i would say i would say that in a family uh between that when when mothers and other fathers are depressed you've got to be affected by it everybody gets affected by it and 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 black gator i'm going to let you go because dr deborah's coming on and she's going to help us answer this question for you because i'm not an expert in this okay all i know is what i've read dr deborah is trained dr deborah thank you for calling back can you help us with this question that black gator is asking um there are different several different types of depression i think you did a really good job of addressing it there's clinical depression, which really is a malfunctioning of okay. some of the chemical parts of the brain. And mm-hmm. there are times when people have to be put on medication uh, for some relief of that uh, to make them feel, quote, unquote, normal. I'm not re- a real proponent of a lot of medication. I think that we need to learn uh, to do some other things to address it. But there are people that, you know, legitimately have mm-hmm. to have. Uh, mm-hmm. those, because uh, they can do chemicals. tests about your femorons or emerons or whatever it is. Exactly. Uh-huh. But the other kind of depression that um, Black Gator was talking about had to do, as you said, with situations. And, of course, when you have parents that are depressed and are abusive and or neglectful, the children and everyone else in the house is going to suffer. That's just the, the way that it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Chris Brown thing, um, I don't know, for some reason, I came in kind of late as I told you I would be, 
into the chat room tonight, some people seem to be off on a tangent, and I think going off on the wrong direction as far as where this is. Yes, Chris Brown and Rihanna live a personal life that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us, but I'm fearful that when we sort of glamorize what happened, they get back together, that young people in our community are looking at that and saying, hey, it'll be all right, okay, he hit me, or okay, I hit her, but we're really in love, and mm-hmm. when all this is said and done, we can put this behind us, and the reality of it is that's bull. If Chris mm-hmm. and Rihanna are living together in a relationship or whatever, they're not mm-hmm. going to get treatment. That's just the mm-hmm. way it is with yeah. domestic yeah. violence. They need and to and be one separated. of the things that we were talking about on India Declare's show when I was on a call with her the other day is how Rihanna is deciding to go back to, I don't know, I haven't read anything about this. Even if she goes back, that is typically what happens in these situations. The woman goes back. I mean, she's not going to be doing anything differently than most battered women do. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have literally as a as a as a trained um worker with battered women been at the hospital mm-hmm. and watched a woman get 16 stitches in her head. And this is not just one situation, it's been like 30 oh, over yeah. the years. Mm-hmm. And she will walk out with the same man that beat her. That put those that stitches in there. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it gets Absolutely. to what Rita Smith said to us uh, on Tuesday night. Many times it's a man or a woman who this person, who the victim just loves. Dr. Mm-hmm. Deborah, I've got Mays on the other line, but thank you for jumping in here and helping okay. us with, with that question. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. Uh, Mays, I respect you. How are you? I respect you, too, and I'm just fine. Well, I Good, think, thank uh, you. Uh, Kiki is being misunderstood is what she's trying to say. Who? She's Kiki. Oh, uh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying. Um, no, no, no. I Let haven't me explain been following what's just, going on in the chat room. No, I'm saying I'm explaining. You said the other night when you and the other lady was discussing and then you were talking to her, and then Dr. Deborah talked to her tonight. I think uh-huh. they're misunderstanding what she's saying. She said he oh, did okay. Some, she said he did what? something wrong. Uh-huh. So did Rihanna, both. They both have problems in their family. Her mother and father went at it all the time. His mother went with a man that went at it. So they both used mm-hmm. to seeing things like this. So maybe mm-hmm. they think it's normal in life for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And we keep saying but, you know, the, the thing is that uh, I, I have not been following uh, all the discussion in the chat room tonight, so I'm not sure. But this is not in the chat we... room. That's what I'm saying. I'm just giving you uh-huh. what's not in the chat room, and why Nikki is saying what she's saying is being misunderstood. She's not agreeing that Chris Brown didn't do anything wrong. She's agreeing. Oh, I I never understood her to say that, because no, even when even when um the, uh, during the discussion on the India Declare show, she never said that. She made no, it very clear that. that she thought what he did was wrong. That's what she's saying um, is that that is Chris and the lady's own decision that they are making, and they should be allowed to make that decision because they both came out of the same thing. He came out of violence, and she did too. So, so but don't, they're only just seeing that he should be punished and, and how the kids are going to look at him by not getting punished for what he did. He's going to be punished for what he did. This is like Holly Berry when she said, 
but she was married to the football player. She said he did something to her. Then she went and married a second man, and she said he did something to her. So that's well, what I'm it's saying. real clear so, in the literature yes, that so they both should be punished. But see, yeah. we take some of us take it personally, and it is as if that Chris Brown was our son, or we know him, and we could reach out and touch him to tell him what to do. But I don't think. See, my husband is a psychiatrist too. So, <laughs> so I don't think that. Uh, he should be punished, or if they, if you're going to punish somebody, punish both of them, and maybe reality. But what would she be punished for, Maze? This is what. Uh, let me ask you a question. What would she be punished for? Well, maybe she did something wrong too. That's what nobody's looking at. They both could have did something wrong. What if she hit him first and he hit her back? A man is not supposed to hit a woman, and a woman shouldn't hit a man. Um, but so, you see, if he did a beat down on I, her. And I I don't remember I don't recall that there were any reports that he was hurt. Uh, he was in hurt. any case, nobody no deserves they, to get hurt. That's and what I'm saying. Someone, they, were saying, they were saying he bit her, he choked her, and he did all these things. There's no proof of none of that. We didn't see any of the bites, or we didn't see anything where he hit her. So a woman shouldn't be hitting the man just like a man shouldn't be hitting a woman. Well, wait a minute, I wait hit. a minute, wait a minute. We did see the evidence. I didn't see uh, those evidence because uh, I'm not necessarily. You're not sure that that were okay. So you're assuming that that might not be her, and I'm assuming yes, that was her, and she was beat. But I'm not going to get upset about about it. So it's oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I did, I'm looking at Rihanna is one of 1.3 million women in this country. Yes, she is. Who, but we're not who has been a people. victim. But we're not looking at those other women as we are looking at Rihanna because she's. Well, I'm not looking at Rihanna at all because because I think. But do you think a woman should hit a man? I don't think anybody should hit anybody. That's what I'm saying. But but we do know, we do know that a woman cannot overpower a man. And if they could, Rihanna probably would have ended up throwing him out the car or something. Yeah. But you know. what if it was reversed if, if that happened to him and she did him that way? How would you see, everybody I, do I, 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 I don't want to go into what if, what if. All I that's know, Maze, is this. That's what we're doing now. It's assuming so we should just end it and be through with the Brown right. and Rihanna thing. But we can't, we can't abandon the women we're not who are women. victims. <laughs> we're not we have got victims. to stop the were, violence. I'm saying there were victims before she came along. And, and people have been working on this. Before I started doing this radio show, I was doing three hours, four nights a week at a battered women's shelter. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But what we shouldn't use them as poster people for what happens. We should use somebody that can't well, afford think, babies. Well, I think, Maze, what, what people might be missing the point is that the increased volume of violence in teen and young people's relationships We've got to keep our eye on the idea that women between the ages of 25 and 45 in the African-American community have a 35% higher rate of violence in their intimate relationships. Do you know where the violence really starts? It's in the classroom when they're little kids in kindergarten. That's what the hitting and everything. Well, starts. with nobody, well, the lit- stop it there. It'll stop it when they get. From bigger. what I know, Maze, where violence starts 
is when children witness violence in their homes. I'm when girls and boys start, it starts in the classroom. Boys and girls fight every day. Nobody complains about it. It's well, I think that that might be one of the reasons that educators across the country and people who are are advocates, like at the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, I think one of the reasons that they have entered into the discussion of the Chris Brown and Rihanna uh, uh, episode is because it gives them an opportunity to raise awareness. Well, I think if kids, if boys and girls start respecting each other in kindergarten, they will have respect for each other as they get older. But if they don't have the respect there, they're going to take it on until. Well, I I, I think that. And if it's um, not there, it'll help. In our I, I, I think that we cannot turn our backs on any victim that we know. And no, because me, men are being abused just like women are is what I'm saying, but nobody stands up for the man. they always standing up for the woman. Yeah, but you're only you're only talking about, and not to dismiss it or to minimize it, you're it's talking about fifteen percent, eighty-five percent. I'm not looking at the numbers. I'm saying if a woman is beating on a man, if a man is beating on a woman, it's still a beating, regardless of who's doing it, and it needs to stop on both sides. You're absolutely right that we need to teach our children anger management techniques. We need to teach them about being able to identify issues where people want to con- have control in their lives and that's and and that is one of the thing things that we do have to do and yes, i think I was- raising raising the issue of teen and young adult battering in intimate partner relationships is one way of doing of raising that awareness yes because i was saying a lot of these people keep saying a woman shouldn't hit a man man shouldn't hit a woman Say some strange man cut him up and hit some women and see what happened to him. Well, I'm 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 statistics. The statistics don't bear out what you say. Well, I don't believe all the statistics. Some statistics I just throw them away because I don't believe them. Oh, okay. Okay. You have a right to do that. I don't believe all statistics. They can pull out anything and throw it. I mean, they don't have have a right to do that. I hear you. I I hear that's where you are. Yeah. So Um, that's where I am. So yeah, you have to I, I hear so that. I hope everybody comes to understand about Rihanna and Chris Brown, and we can just leave it alone and go to something else, and it's going to take care of the better well, women. Well, I, I, I really do hope. hope that we continue to have the dialogue yes. about not, the not, epidemic. Not, not, we don't have to wait for something happen to have the dialogue. It should be happening before that, before something happens. In well, the beginning, one of the things, to, one of the things that you. You you might be missing here, Maze. Is that dialogue goes on all the time? But this it's is not, not new for so many people. Yes, I'm saying, but it's not focused on like it is now all the time. And if, well, it, was, if I, it was an everyday thing when Rihanna and and Chris Brown came up, they would have got help, or it would have been like we're out here working and we're doing this. You can hear people talking about it, but not just keeping a deep focus on just those two. You got to focus on everybody, not just those well, two, and make know, them the focus the, here for it. I think that one of the things that might be missing in this in 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 that kind of uh, conver- uh, discussion is that there are battered uh, there are discussion groups and forums all over every major city in this country, and they are happening all the time. It's workshops for teachers, yes. workshops so, for everyone. Well, May thanks for the call. I gotta go because okay, I'm getting put out of here. 
talk to you tomorrow. I am just getting put out of here. Thanks, Maeve. I'm glad to hear from you. I'm Janice Graham. This has been Our Common Ground, and we thank our sister, Terry Williams, for being with us. We thank you for being with us. We're here Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'll be listening for you. Don't forget, Hi-Fi Lounge tomorrow night. Bring your favorite TV show, and let's talk about I'm bringing Patty Hughes. Who are you bringing? Good night, all. Have a good day tomorrow right here at Our Common Ground, the Hi-Fi Lounge, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. I'll be listening for you. America listens to USTalkNetwork.com. Wear the red dress. Wear the wings. Shut your mouth. Be a good girl. Roll over and spread your legs. Yes, ma'am. May the Lord open. Seriously? What the actual... with the eroding of the right to protest in freedom and with uneven distribution of consequences from law enforcement. It happens when people we think are on our side when it comes to social justice simply don't show up. Or worse, shame us for taking action. It happens when we all look at each other and say, this can't last, right? Hoping that it will go away on its own. Meantime, the fascists build militias. When fascism starts to feel normal, we're all in trouble. All the denial, either from fear or uncertainty, is not helpful. We are seeing the execution in America, not the plan. America Fails, The Coming Tyranny. A 12-week discussion series exploring the possibility, the potential, the now, fascism in America. TruthWorks Network, sneak preview, October 14th, live, 8 p.m. The truth must be spoken more than once. If America Fails, TruthWorks Network. October 14th, 8 p.m. If America Fails, The Coming Tyranny. Thank you for joining. Um, I, you know, I bet you it's not public. Um, but, you know, but again, when you think about African Americans uh, in terms of politics and their social movement history, there's no, they are the Michael Jordans 
of social movements. They, their songs, I remember when Nikolai Ceausescu was overthrown in, I think, in Eastern Europe. Uh, the, the, they were singing in their own language, We Shall Overcome. They were singing, We Shall Overcome, in Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and that just shows the power of black culture. African-American culture was so powerful, it inspired Stephen Biko's black, uh, of, of, of black consciousness. Black, it was nothing but South Africa's black version of black power, Stephen Biko. That shows you out of Oakland, out of, out of, out of Mississippi, with, with, with Carmichael and Willie Ricks, it spread all over the world to Israel, to Australia, to New Zealand, um, uh, you know, uh, throughout the world, young people identified with it, right? And, and that's just the power of, of, of just one demonstration of African-American culture. But their movements have always been about universal democracy for, for themselves, and they understood by implication it would be for all. And that's the orientation of black people in this country, generally speaking. That's their sort of common... Just who are you? Broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Thank you for being with us tonight on Our Common Ground. Join us next Saturday night as we talk with you about issues of race and intersectionality. You must know who you are the first thing in the morning and all the day long. Not because they told you, but because you know it, you feel it, you believe it, and you live it. Just who? Are you?